Good morning. Welcome uh, to Breton Baptist Church. This is probably your second welcome. I'm sure the uh, worship group welcomed you. It's great to uh, bring God's word to you. Uh, my name is Pastor Brian. Um, I'm a new pastor here at Breton Baptist Church. It's great to be here, even under these strange circumstances. It's uh, still um, working for us, and I'm still getting to know people much slower as it may well be, but um, it's great to meet you all. If you are here for the first time or you're new to our live streaming, uh, this recorded live streaming, then um, we, we thank you for joining us and you're very welcome. And we hope and pray that um, it, it inspires you in, in any way. Uh, we do invite people afterwards, after the service, to come and join us in our Zoom coffee more, um, forum. You are welcome to have your coffee, tea, hot chocolate, beer, wine, grapes, lunch even, uh, however you like it, and join us on the Zoom. And the details of that will come up on the screen if it hasn't done already. New to this week, yes, we'd like to do things, um, new things in our church. We are um, sharing a Zoom platform for those that are new to Breton Baptist Church. So if you're new to Breton Baptist Church, then there's an additional, um, just a, a room for you through a, a different Zoom reference, which have come up on the, uh, on the screen. So please join us if you're able to. Whether you've been attending um, for a long time or whether you're new, we are so glad that you've joined with us. Today, um, before I get going, I want to prepare you for an activity um, that we're going to do together, those that want to. It's not compulsory. I invite you to get another A4 piece of paper. This is um, similar to what we did last week, but um, a couple of weeks ago at Easter, but it's very different. Similar in the sense that it's the same sort of paper shot size, and I want you to hold your paper this way, uh, landscape way, and I want you to fold it in half, okay? Fold it in half like this, simple as that. Then I want you to, um, sorry, did somebody need to go and get a piece of paper? Um, but don't worry, we're not gonna do the activity right now, we're gonna do it towards the end. But, um, so just to prepare yourself, so please get your piece of paper, um, get it ready, and then get a pair of scissors, and I want you to cut a uh, semicircle out so it looks like this. This is what I prepared earlier. So that eventually when you open up your A4 piece of paper, it will be like this and you'll have a, a hole in it and you can put your face through it, but don't, don't try and put your head through it by any means, um, but uh, keep it like that and put it to one side and then we will uh, do what uh, I, I've planned and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So um, we're going to get ready to share God's word. So we're going to open our Bibles up to Mark's gospel, uh, chapter one. Uh, we're jumping back to chapter one. I don't know if you can remember a time with your children or as a child, that sense of a time of urgency, a time of being woken up um, because it's Christmas morning or waking your parents up because it's Christmas morning and shaking them at 5 a.m., silly a.m. in the morning. And she goes, come on, mum, wake up, dad, wake up. He's come, he's come, he's brought it, it's here, it are here. And, and his parents waking up thinking, oh my goodness me, a, a rude awakening. As if the, as if you're going to miss the day, as if you haven't prepared for the day. And that's a sense of urgency Mark has. And I know um, John um, last week and, and Rich a couple of weeks before that shared something of that um, idea of the urgency of Mark's writing the gospel uh, here through the gospel of Mark. Uh, but we, we can't escape that uh, punchy, straight into, say it as it is, gospel style of writing that Mark presents to us. So I invite you to, to jump into Mark's gospel, to continue jumping in. But as you read, reflect on it because it has huge rewards. But don't just read it and go, wow, that's nice. That's, that's amazing. That's exciting. Get busy doing it. Get Mark's gospel isn't um, a gospel of just reading. It's a gospel of participating. So I invite you to join with me as we continue to go through Mark's gospel. Now, in the week, I did ask 
members of staff, if they were to uh, um, be asked to summarize the Bible up in one word or one sentence uh, or one phrase, what would it be? And, and they gave me um, these answers, which I, I hope um, is um, inspiring for you because I, I found them quite uh, inspiring and uh, encouraging. So one member of staff said, um, summarized the Bible like this, the story of God's desire for humankind. The story of God's desire for humankind. Another member of staff said, God's word for our lives. A continuing conversation, which I am a part of. I'm in the story. And then another member of staff said, um, it's like owning a national treasure of books that belongs to me because obviously the word Bible, Biblica is library. It's like owning a national treasure of books that belong to me. Wonderful, wonderful um, statements, sentences, uh, phrases or examples of what the Bible um, means to you. What does it mean to you? I wonder whether you've really thought about what does that Bible mean to me? I reflected on this as well, and it's certainly a book of good news. A book that's filled with um, revelation of God's desire for you and me, for the whole world. God's hope, God's dream, God's aspiration for you and for me. God's hand upon all of our lives. It's good news. Now, I know I've come across many people that tell me about the, the horrible things in the Bible, the wrath of God, the punishment of God, the, the, the wiping out of, of whole families, of whole communities, of whole nations. Um, and what sort of God does that? Well, yes, there is bad news. There's bad news in our world, constant bad news. Have you ever noticed that the bad news often gets the um, uh, prime position of the news? The top of the news is often bad news. Often there comes a time where the, um, those that decide what news we are privy to um, decide that we need to get some good news in there because this is not helping the morale of our nation, of our people. So they put good news in there to, to get the equilibrium in uh, society, in people's lives, because we all need that good news. Have you noticed that the air seems less polluted at this moment during this very bad news? Have you noticed that the weather we've got is beautiful, which is unusual since records began? There's never been such good weather in April since uh, records began. Even though we're going through some very bad news, there's always light, there's always good news, which trumps bad news. We live in this reality of good and bad news every day. And Mark's gospel is punching straight into the excitement. He's contagious, he's, he's evangelistic desire for you and me to know this good news. You can't, you can't escape the con how contagious this is. So we're going to launch into something of the um, background of this. I know John and Rich did some of this, and I want to add to what they're doing. We're going to concentrate first, very briefly, on verses 1 to 8, which we're going to have read to us very shortly. And then we're going to um, finish off with verses 21 to 28, which, we're going, which is the, the, the point of the message today, because um, I think... Um, a lot of people go through bad news and they need some kind of um, powerful good news. And I'm talking about real deep, powerful good news to bring them out and above the bad news. And we're going to be focusing on dealing with unclean spirits. So first of all, let's look at some facts about this, um, the author um, and the book itself and uh, why we should read it. So let's start off with some facts about um, the book. So first of all, the author. The author, as most of us will know, is John Mark. Now, although um, he does not accredit this book to himself, 
it is pretty much unanimously agreed with scholars and historians um, going back to the second wave of disciples, the second generation disciples, such as Clement and Oregon and, and many others, confirm that John Mark is undoubtedly the author. But who was John Mark? Well, John Mark, as we know as Mark, is the cousin or was the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas was a close associate to Paul, um, a man of encouragement. He worked with Paul on the missionary uh, work and John Mark uh, accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey. During the time that he was with Paul, John bowed out. It got too much for him. It didn't please Paul too much, particularly when Barnabas um, said, let's take John Mark with us on our next missionary journey. And, and Paul was in total disagreement with that. And he said, no way. And neither that guy, um, he he bowed out before. I can't trust him. He's, he's not good for me. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I paraphrased heavily. You can read those in chapter 13 and chapter 15 of of the book of Acts. Um, chapter 13, um, verse, let me have a look, verse uh, 15 talks about John Mark being on the missionary journey and bailing out. And then chapter 15 talks about the argument, verse 37, talks about the argument that Barnabas and Paul had. Obviously, most of us know that the relationship was restored and um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, we get this reconciliation um, outcome um, of Mark and Paul. Um, and Paul, whilst in prison, calls for Mark. He, he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. So here we have a man that's very much well known in the scriptures. As you can see on the screen, he's the, um, his mother's name was Mary, not the Mary, mother of Jesus. Mary, uh, we're talking about here, is recorded in Acts, two, uh, Acts 12, verse 12. Feel free to look at it when you get a chance. Um, so um, he, he, uh, his mother was an early follower and she um, allowed her house to be used for worship and teaching of the scriptures. So, so what do we know about uh, this Mark? He's the author of the book. Um, he was the mother of a lady called Mary, who's a follower of Jesus. He's the cousin of Barnabas, and he's a helper to Paul. Now, Mary, his mother, um, would have been around in the, in the early eyewitnesses. So John Mark, maybe a young boy, would have been around the home when Jesus would have come and the disciples would have come. So it's more than likely that he would have known Jesus from around AD 30. Because the, 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 the book of Mark wasn't written until somewhere between AD 55 and 65 uh, it's quite a long span, so scholars are divided about exactly when. But so that would have been about 20, 30 years after um, uh, Jesus' uh, death then, if you like, um, and resurrection. So Mark was on the scene all the way through, somewhere along the line, but he was not one of the original 12 disciples. He was one of the original followers, one of the original eyewitnesses, but not one of the 12 that um, is what is believed. But who is it written for? Well, it's written uh, at the time, it is written for the Roman Christian believers, the Christians in Rome. And it's written for those that are um, opening themselves up to the, uh, the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Mark makes no mistake about saying who this book is about and why this book is is being um, written and shared and passed on um he says right in the beginning in the beginning the good news of jesus christ the messiah so why read this well it records more miracles than any of the other gospels it is the shortest of all it's the quickest to read the easiest to read it is um, believed to be the first recorded gospel. It is um, the gospel that is believed to be the source or one of the major sources for the other gospels. Um, 
There's, um, there's only 31 verses in Mark's Gospels that's not recorded in the other Gospels. Mark's Gospel concentrates on the person, the purpose and the power of Jesus. It makes no mistake that it's Christocentric. Christocentric. So it is about Jesus. And he doesn't mince his word. He does. He says things how it is. He doesn't go into detail. He doesn't do much Jewishness. He doesn't do much theology. He doesn't do much unpacking. He just says, whoa, look, this is what's happening. Um, and he just punches it out. He launches it out to let you know, come on, wake up. Come on, look, read it. It's not complicated. Read it and do it. Read it and do it. It's not complicated. It demands a response. It invites us to participate. It teases its readers to dare to try it out. And I invite you to dare and try it out. Tom Wright says this, although it is fast paced and short and can be quick to get through, if read with care and attention offers rewards. He also talks about a young man um, in the in the early 19, uh, 20th century, um, born in, I believe, 1914, a guy called Anthony Bloom, who was a young communist and uh, quite a zealous communist. And he was at a, a, at a conference, at a talk, and he heard a talk about Christianity being the only religion. And, and he was repulsed by this. So when he got home, he decided he's going to disprove Christianity and he opens a book and he looks for the shortest um, gospel and he finds Mark's gospel and he reads through Mark's gospel and as he reads through Mark's gospel he starts to read it again and he reads it again says Tom Wright and uh, he decides to stay up all night and he reads Matthew, Luke and John. All night he reads the Bible and by the morning he hands his life to Jesus Christ and becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Anthony Bloom then went on to become a Russian Orthodox um, uh, priest. Uh, gave his life in service. Um, he also says that God has clearly got a sense of humor because um, he set out to disprove. Through Mark's gospel, he became a believer. So Mark's gospel has the power to transform lives. It doesn't complicate things. It makes it quite simplistic, but powerfully deep. So we're going to hear the first eight verses. We're going to have those read to us because this um, book is a book for all seasons because it has Jesus in the center. For Jesus is the reason for this season Every season is a reason for Jesus. And may this season allow you to meet Jesus for the first time or again for the first time. Sit back and listen to these words from the Gospel of Mark. I'll be reading Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the prophet Isaiah wrote. I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. There is a voice of a man who calls out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make the road straight for him. John was baptizing people in the desert. He preached a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. All the people from Judea and Jerusalem were going out to John. They told about the sins they had done. Then they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made from camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This is what John preached to the people. There is one coming later who was greater than I. I am not good enough to kneel down and untie his sandals. I baptise you with water, but the one who is coming later will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Beautifully read. <clears throat> so much in these brief 
um, verses, just eight verses. And when I when I was reading chapter one again, um, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've read it, but each time I read it, I'm inspired by it. But from here, I got some um, I got many points, and don't worry, we're not going to go through them all in detail. I'm just going to give you the headlines of these points. I've got about nine points, but we're going to focus on just two. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. I got um, this description of the fact that this is about the person of Jesus. Uh, there's no mistake. It says in the beginning of the good news or the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Mark um, is not hesitant. He wastes no time. He just gets into the purpose of me writing this is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And um, uh, my name doesn't matter. Um, everything you're going to hear is about Jesus. So he, he proclaims Jesus. John proclaims Jesus, reminding us that um, the prophet Isaiah um, is saying, I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared preaching in the wilderness. The proclamation of Jesus, the good news. So I get the person of Jesus, the proclamation of Jesus by Mark and John. Then the preparation. Prepare yourselves. What you, Israel, have been waiting for, have been praying for, for over 400 years, you have been saying, my God, my God, where are you? When are you going to come and deliver us from the oppression of imperialism and, uh, and all of this corruption and the Roman power? When are you going to overtake? You promised us through the book of Daniel. We have these promises in chapter 7 of Daniel that uh, there's going to be four wars and then I will come. There will be four powers and then you will be set free. This is the day, Mark is saying. This is the day. He has come. Wake up. Wake up. Get up. You'll miss it. He doesn't want you to miss what's happening. And the promises of Jesus are being fulfilled through the prophets, through the prophecies. So the prophecies are being fulfilled. You know, it's said that there are no other religious books where prophecies have been fulfilled. Um, in the time of the writings and in the subsequent times. So where we've got a book here where prophecies are, are being fulfilled, have been fulfilled. And the purpose here is the power of Jesus and the invitation to participate in Jesus. The purpose is to, the witness of power and the participation of power, which I'd like to touch on um, in a brief moment. I read from another scholar, um, a commentary. It says this, the purpose of Mark's gospel is to bear witness to Jesus Christ as proclaimer and embodiment of the kingdom of God and to challenge its readers to follow him in anticipation of his final coming as son of man. This is the news that everybody's been waiting for, the good news that trumps all bad news. So make no mistake, whatever bad news you're hearing, you're seeing, you're receiving, you're going through, good news trumps it. The question we have to ask ourselves is, am I looking at the bad news and allowing the bad news to overwhelm me and to dominate my life, to control my life? Or am I turning to the good news? Because even in darkness, there is light. Even in darkness, there is light, says the Lord. The power of this, one of the powers is that it says in verse five, and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem, all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, this is John the Baptist, and were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John um, is doing a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Mark is saying, come on, get baptised in the water 
because the power of Jesus is coming. Because John has said that Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, which is the power source of living for God and participating in what God is doing. The power source is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians um, couldn't believe the power. In verse 22, which we'll get to in a minute, they were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And he starts to select his followers um, in, this, in this short chapter that we have. He um, allows the um, invitation to be tempted. He um, gets John to baptise him. He selects his, his first leaders. Uh, he casts a vision. He um, builds up leaders. He does so much in this time. As I say, I came out with the person of Jesus, the proclamation, the preparation, the promise, the prophecy, the purpose, the power, the participation, and the appointing of key people in the ministry. There you have it. They were astounded at his teaching. This is new. This is a new teaching. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was very new. Instead of for specific people at specific times for particular reasons, it's now for all people. And um, and J Mark, John Mark, is wanting us to have that power that comes from the Holy Spirit to drive out unclean spirits, to wage war against us. Um, principalities of darkness in this world to, to wage war against the authorities of the um, deceiver to cleanse out evil spirits unclean spirits so let's then jump to the next passage verse 21 to 28 where jesus drives out an in an impure spirit they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teachings, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him? News about this him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Again, beautifully read. Thank you very much. So um, here we have it, uh, the second part and the final part of our teaching for this morning. Dealing with unclean spirits. Um, before um, we touch on those parts, uh, I want you to concentrate on verse um, 25 in your Bibles. If you could open your Bibles to verse 25. Um, and let me go back one slide so you don't get distracted by those points. Let us just read verse 25 together. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of the man with a shriek. Wow, this teaching, there's, there's, there's no um, explanation behind it. There's no discussion about it. I'm sure the disciples and the Pharisees and the Herodians were all in their own way um, trying to unpack it, unpick it and work it out. And, and, and then since then, 2000 years, we've had studies on this and you can have endless amount of studies on it and conversations about this. But the fact is, 
Jesus did it. Jesus just said, be quiet, come out. Be quiet, come out. Four words. Four words. Be quiet, come out. And the unclean spirit shrieks, shakes the man violently, pops out. The wonderful thing about this passage is that when Jesus came and the unclean spirit saw him, they knew Jesus straight away. There was no hesitation. There was no question. There was no interrogation. There was no attempt to um, mess with Jesus' intelligence or power. It says this, verse 24. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. We know that wonderful song. See if I can get it right. Miracle maker. Start again. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. That is who you are, my God. That is who you are. And with that, unclean spirits flee. Because it's in the name of Jesus and it's in the power of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and in the power of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart, we are invited to participate in that authority in the authority of the teachings of Jesus, in the authority of the word of Jesus. So how do we then do what Jesus did? Because this is a new teaching with authority. And Jesus says in the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So here are some points to help you, to remind you, that you have the power to drive out unclean spirits. But you don't just read about it, don't just hear about it, do it, as it says. Okay, now all my points are up there already. Dealing with unclean spirits. Well, first of all, um, it is done through his word. The person and purpose of Jesus is to do battle, to wage war against the evils and the principalities and the darkness and the authorities of this world. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Use the word of God. Don't get clever about the word of God. Use his word, his word, the Bible. Use it to arm yourself against all the um, attacks of the enemy, to drive out the unclean spirits. Then his name. No authority can drive out unclean spirits like the name of Jesus. Remember this gospel is Christocentric and John makes no excuses and makes no apologies. It is about Jesus. There is no other name that fears unclean spirits as we read. What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, you son of God, we know who you are. Have you come to destroy us? Please just put us somewhere else. Be quiet, come out. Leave him alone. You have no authority. And in the name of Jesus, I drive you out. 
his truth. For we have the power. Imagine, you remember the film, Bruce Almighty. Imagine having the power of God for one week. One week, the power of God. Now, if you had the power of God for one week, what would you do? You've got two rules you can't do. Kill anyone or make anyone fall in love. And we know in the film Bruce Almighty, he, he sort of wastes it at first. He misuses it, he abuses the power. We could not be trusted with the power that God has and gives to Jesus Christ. But he gives us enough power to drive out unclean spirits. I don't know about you, but I had to clean out some unclean um, spirits in my life when I first became a Christian. And ever since then, I've had to be on guard and search my soul and search my heart and search my mind for the unclean spirits because unclean spirits tend to get in us quite easily if we're not on guard and if we're not being watchful as the bible reminds us and philippians 4 13 says i can do all things through him that gives me strength you can overcome all the unclean spirits in you and in others if you come in the power of his word and in the power of his name the truth is, you have the power. His church, my fourth point is, with the church, when we stand together, we are seriously better together. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there among them. I am there among them when two or three are gathered in my name name. See, you are invited to participate in the power of Jesus. Use the power of Jesus. So to participate, what do we do then? So we look for discernment. We discern whether they are evil spirits or not, unclean spirits. I remember when in my early days I was helping out a mission society, um, a children's mission society from Birmingham, they would take um, the children from the poor streets and give them a holiday for a week of the year for parents that could not afford holidays for their children. And they would take these children and they would give them a time of their life, I suppose. Now I helped out and I remember one lad, very angry lad, very um, messed up lad, and he lost his temper one night and the leaders pinned him to the floor and prayed over him for the unclean spirit to come out. And no unclean spirit came out. I don't believe for one minute they handled that in, in a very discerning way. This guy, lad, young lad, eight years old, um, he didn't have an unclean spirit. He was just a, a, an angry lad. I don't know why. I can only assume that there were some issues at home or had been some issues at home, but I didn't see an unclean spirit. I saw a lad teeming with life, teeming with energy, but it just was a block. There was no invitation to influence him in the ways of the Lord. I don't believe he in any way had an unclean spirit at that particular time. So discerning what is an unclean spirit, you look into um, the eyes of a person, not staring like this, but you, 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 without being obvious and intrusive, you look into the eyes of people, even at a quick glance. I, when I, when I saw them um, praying over this lad, I looked into his eyes and I did not see anything that I had concern for other than um, a lad that was angry um, and confused and not, not knowing how to handle his emotions. You, again, this is a, a, probably a tricky one, but you look into the heart. You, you, you try to discern the attitude of heart. And uh, there was a research of a philosopher done about 250 years ago, Alex Tocqueville, who was um, walking through the streets of America and trying to um, understand the attitude and the characteristics of, 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 of human people, noticing that there was a sense of real individualism. And he understood that, that the heart um, of people was uh, an individualistic heart. The, their attitude of heart was individualism. And you can, by looking at a person, by observing without being weird, 
uh, is, is to observe the attitude of their heart. What is really in the core of who they are? By watching and observing, we can discern what that may well be, if indeed we are in a good place ourselves. And with discernment, there's no excuse for ignoring history, understanding what's gone on before as best we can. So discernment is about understanding what may lie underneath where people are. And there you can start to distinguish between whether it is um, something of medical condition, something of historical condition, something of psychological condition, or something of spiritual condition. And there may be some fine lines on that. And then um, for, for participating, we are called to intercede. We, we don't want to overanalyze, but we don't want to be reckless. I remember praying for an autistic child. My, um, a pastor said to me, Pastor, we've got to go around and pray for this, this girl. And um, I, I watched him pray over this girl. And, and I, was, um, I was very concerned about the prayer um, that I didn't believe warranted um, the words that were said, as if to say this, this girl was um, possessed by some evil spirit. I don't believe she was in, uh, at all. I've certainly been involved in laying hands and praying with people and, and casting unclean spirits out. And I've seen unclean spirits come out of people. I've seen unclean spirits come out of me. Um, and I, I suppose that's what I want to encourage really is start with yourself. Deal with the unclean spirit in yourself because healthy things grow. Health, healthy things grow. And God is in the healthy growing people business and then the third point of um, participating is remember the authority in which you come in um i don't know about you but i don't feel equipped to deal with spiritual warfare but in my in my um, imperfection and in my inabilities in my lack of um ability i want to be obedient and i say jesus i'm not too sure how this works but in your name I'm coming. I remember um, I had a lady um, come barging into the manse of the last church I was in. And uh, I've only met her once, very briefly, um, passing. And she barges in. She's got to help me. She's got to help me. She's a lady in her 50s. She's absolutely out of her mind, panicking, scared. And um, I had company in the house and I called June, come with me, come to the dining room. I, I need you to be with me for this. And this woman's throwing money at me. She says, you've got to come and help me. Come and help me. I'll pay you. I'll pay you. And um, I'm going, okay, calm down. Calm down. Tell me what's going on. She says, my husband, he won't leave me alone. I need protection. I need help. I need you to get him out. I need you to get him out of my house. And she's throwing money. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, let's stop. Stop. Let's pause. I said, your husband. I said, when, did he, when, when does he come? She goes, at night. He, he always comes about 12 o'clock, between 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock. And, and he starts taking things and he taunts me. And I'm, I'm listening to her story and I'm thinking, I'm discerning that her husband's dead. And uh, I said, is your husband alive? And she goes, no, he's dead. He, he comes at night and he moves things and he, and he, and he teases me and he, 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 he torments me. And she goes, you've got to come and help me. I said, oh, look, look I'll come. I'm more than happy to come. I'll come with another two people, one at least being a woman. She goes, you've got to bring a spiritualist. I said, I know, I don't work with spiritualists. She, uh, she goes, you've got to, you, you can't do it on your own. I said, I know, you're right, I can't do it on my own. I do it in the name of Jesus and the, the other believers I, can't, I come with, bring with me, will be um, a spiritual believers, will be followers of Jesus Christ. And together with you, we can deal with this, this uh, spirit that's taunting you in your home. She said, no, no, you've got to bring a spiritualist. I said, I can't. She goes, I'll give, you, I'll give you money. I said, I won't work with spiritualists. That's not what I base my faith on. My faith is in Jesus Christ and Jesus can do it for you. Jesus can deal with this for you. But she had no faith in that Jesus could do this. And she was insistent that um, I bring a spiritualist, which I refused. And with that, she had to leave. I did do some background check and she does come from a mental health um, background. So we come in the authority of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in Ephesians it reminds us that we are adopted children. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the power uh, and privilege of adoption. 
And we are an inheritors of the kingdom of heaven where all the spiritual weaponry comes from. And it's the vault of spiritual weapons. So we have heavenly um, armor, heavenly um, weapons, uh, and we come with that authority as children of God. So we must never underestimate the power of God in us. But you won't know that power until you participate in what God is doing. You've got to participate in what Jesus is already doing. Jesus has gone ahead of you. Jesus is doing the work of the Lord through those that are obedient to him. So where does that leave us in Mark's gospel and dealing with unclean spirits? Well, remember, I asked you to get your pieces of paper. Now, I love reading scripture and I love dissecting it and I love the theology. But there's nothing more powerful and more refreshing than seeing the, the hand of God at work. So I'm going to put a little test to you. I want you to see how clever you are at poking your head through this piece of paper. I posed this challenge to Charlie and this is what happened. Alright, if you can poke your head through that, um, you are going to be an absolute sensation. You're not allowed to rip it, not allowed, you can't tear the paper at all. You've got to poke your head through that. Not allowed to rip at all. Oh, can you do it? Yeah. Poke your head right through it. PC. Can't rip it. Can't rip it. No, you're ripping it. Well, if it's it. a little bit ripped. No, can't rip it at all. You've, you've ripped it. Is it possible? No, I haven't. Is it possible? Yes. Can I have a little like five minutes no, to no, work no, it out? You're on. You're on film. If I can do it, I have your gaming PC. <laughs> I'll, I'll save you the misery. No. I, you won't lose your gaming PC. I'll prove to you that I can do it. Wait. I'll prove to you that I'm more intelligent than you. Go on then. Right? Ready? Yeah. What? What is that? What? Poke, poking my head through the hole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know if you got that. I don't know if you were able to suss it out straight away. But it's quite simple to poke your head through this piece of paper. It's quite easy, isn't it? It's not complicated. Maybe you did it straight away. Maybe you're very clever. Uh, Charlie is very clever. I don't want to insult Charlie at all. But some things are easy once you've seen it done. And this is the point of Mark's gospel. Look at what Jesus does and do it. Look at what Jesus does and do it. Now, you may not feel equipped to drive out unclean spirits, to demand them to be quiet and to come out. You may be afraid of that. I want to encourage you today. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm going to show you a clip of um, a man who had so much courage um, to overcome huge obstacles in his life. Now, this is not about driving out demons or, or evil spirits or, or unclean spirits. This is dealing with whatever it is inside you that's holding you back from participating in the power of Jesus. Because the power of the gospel sets people free. No matter what limitations you have, no matter what struggles you have, 
by participating in the power of Jesus, you're able to overcome all things and drive out all those unclean spirits. Watch this clip. At age eight, I thought that I should commit suicide. Why? Because I didn't have hope. So I tried to give up. At age 10, I tried to drown myself in six inches or 15 centimeters of water in my home. I told my dad I just wanted to relax. But really, I wanted to end my life. I had enough. But it was so hard because people put me down. And I started believing that I was not good enough. I started believing that I was a failure. That I'd never ever be somebody who people would like or people would accept. I couldn't change my circumstance. I couldn't just one day wake up and say, hey, give me arms and legs, I need arms and legs. And I had questions and no answers and I asked my mom and dad, why did this happen? I asked doctors, why did this happen? And they, they don't know. There are some things in life that are out of your control that you can't change and you've got to live with. The choice that we have though is either to give up or keep on going. So what do you do when you fall down? get back up everybody knows to get back up because if I start walking I'm not gonna get anywhere but I tell you there are some times in life where you fall down you feel like you don't have the strength to get back up I'm down here face down and I have no arms no legs it should be impossible for me to get back up but it's not you see I will try 100 times to get up and if I fail 100 times if I fail and I give up do you think that I'm ever gonna get up no but if I fail I try again and again and again for as long as I try there's always that chance of getting up does that make sense and it's not the end until you've given up there's still hope I'm not here today to tell you that I understand your pain. I don't know how it feels to be abused. I don't know how it feels to feel, quote, fat and you've got an eating disorder. I don't know how it feels to have a broken home. I don't know how it feels. But I know how it feels to have a broken heart. And I know how it feels to be alone. But I just want you to know that it's not the end. It matters how you're going to finish. Nick Fajusi is an, an astonishing man. Every time I uh, watch something of his life, I'm inspired and encouraged. It's a reminder of how um, 
We can all participate in what God is doing. We can all use the power of God to overcome personal challenges as well as participating in waging war against the spiritual forces of this world. <clears throat> Each and every one of us needs to know that we have access to the power source of God, to the um, ability to participate in what he is doing. There is no limitations in God. He invites us regardless of our background. He has no issue with where we come from or how clever we feel we are or are not. He has the um, gaps in our lives covered. He wants to show the new things he can do in and through us because of Jesus Christ. He is reminding us that the old ways are no longer the ways in which things are done. In fact, he's going to remind us through um, and beyond these seasons that we're traveling through at the moment, that these old ways are no longer needed. Time and time again, we are playing catch up with something new of what God is doing. God is constantly at work. Because we don't see it in, in masses, because we don't see um, demons literally jumping out of people like we see on TV, it doesn't mean it's not happening. I myself had to deal with many demons in my life. Um, and, and once most of those, if not all of those at that time, were, were uh, taken out of me, were driven out of me, were commanded out of me, um, I felt a, an absolute... Um, weight had been lifted. I felt amazing, this exuberant joy. And I was eager for people to know. I couldn't wait to tell people about it. I couldn't wait to share the good news. Even though since then I've been through some bad news and I've had to, uh, I've had to clean out some other unclean spirits as I've identified them or accidentally let them in or foolishly let them in. I know the good news trumps the bad news in my life. I know the good news trumps the bad news in this life. And I know God has given me and you the power to participate in the reconciliation and the redeeming of his world. He is, he, we are not the redeemers, we are not the reconcilers, but we can participate in that by bringing the good news like Mark brought the big the, the good news in absolute eagerness and um, with without holding back he said it how it was see it's okay to be theological and and um and analytical but if you don't put that into practice which that you have learned then what's the point you're not going to see the power of god unfold and god is inviting us inviting us to use the power that he has given us to overcome, to drive out unclean spirits. This is new for many people. It's new for them at the time. What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The news of Jesus is const constantly spreading. Have you ever given permission for Jesus to use you? Maybe you have. Have you not seen any miracles lately? Have you not seen any deliverance lately? Have you not seen anything of God's hand at work lately? If you have, praise God, then keep at it. If you haven't, I want to invite you to respond to this message. Wherever you are, whether you are new, whether you've been going to church all your life, I ask you this, have you given permission for Jesus to be the centre of your life? Have you given permission for Jesus' power to be at work in your life? If that relates to you, then I invite you just to um, respond in prayer. I'll lead us and then uh, we'll finish up with our final song.
Dear Father God, you are the author and perfecter of all our lives. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters out there, for those that um, want to give you permission to let Jesus in. I pray that those that have never let Jesus into their life, they just call on the name of Jesus now. Jesus, I welcome you. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I give you permission to come in, to clean out my spiritual closet, to drive out anything in there that is not healthy for me, to set me free from anything that's holding me back from knowing who I am in Jesus Christ. Jesus, forgive me for not letting you in, for not giving you permission, for not living my life for your glory. Forgive me for any of my sins, for all of my sins. Forgive me, for I give my life to you now. And for those that are walking in the Lord, but feel they lack the power of Jesus, this is for you. Jesus, I give you permission to pour more of your power source into my life. I give you permission to use me so I can partner with you in what you're already doing. I give you permission to use me at your disposal. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Feel free to join us in the um, church coffee Zoom meeting or the newcomers Zoom meeting. Please let us know how you're doing. Please keep in touch. We look forward to meeting you again, if not uh, through these ways, but when the day comes through, uh, through physically meeting together. God bless you.